The intermediate line-off is a language and concept warning for the entire show. The opinions of the guests may not be shared by the opinions of the Intermediate Line podcast. The Intermediate Line is brought to you by nervouswater.com.au. Thomas & Thomas Fly Rods, Shilton Fly Reels and Call & Fly Lines. Powerpole, total boat control. Ketterfly Apparel, from time on the water to you. Beast Brushes, we stay in our lane of experience to improve your experience. Seven, eight, nine. Go. <laughs> Welcome back, listeners, to another mouth-watering episode mouth-watering. of follow, follow, <laughs> the intermediate line. I almost said follow the beat, but we're not doing that again. No. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mate. Co-host Chris, I think, um, uh, you know, I was thinking of food then. Yeah, but mouth-watering. Yeah. yeah. We- what the hell is going on? I am completely blindsided, you know, with with beef and food and mouthwatering and podcasts. Didn't expect sure, any man. of this. What a treat for the senses! Well, look, it's at, um, it's been two weeks since the last one, and time to throw ourselves back in. Um, thinking about all the uh, just talking fishing sometimes is is quite therapeutic. You know, take takes me away. It must be different for you, given that you're around it all the time yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah i live and breathe it for for better and worse that's for sure yeah mate. yeah um so when this goes to air it will uh it will be the day after australia day yeah, yeah australia day australia australia yeah. yep yeah obviously australia day is uh significant at different levels for different people and we're respectful of, of all of that, but um, I hope everybody listening, well, if, if they are listening, they've no doubt survived Australia Day. And, yeah. Uh, done and if you're still going, yeah. maybe just stay where you are, you know, don't don't drink and drive. Yeah, yeah just back up, relax. Back up. Back don't, up be a blo- relax. don't be a bloody idiot. Yeah. Right? Remember that one yeah. for a while, right? That campaign died in the ass, right? Yeah, you did, eh? Hey? You drink and drive, you bloody idiot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, man. But anyway, as an Aussie, uh, you know, there's a lot we, you know, history we've got to confront. There's a lot to be proud of too. Um, and um, yeah, I think I, I think, think that's to... I think that I think that's pretty well said, mate. For sure. I, I'm not trying to cut you off, but yeah, you're right. It's a it's a squirrely one in this day and age. Just I think the important thing is that um, uh, a part part of being Australian is um, is 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 multiculturalism as well as. Uh, 
understanding and accepting our history of where we came here. And you've got to you got to respect everyone's view of Australia Day, except for Woolworths. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's just corporate greed. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, disappointing. But um, I think, you know, Australian fly fishing, let's talk about that. You know, tonight okay. we've, we've uh, well, we, we'll talk about our guests later on. It's, it's, a, it's another mouth-watering um, thing. Uh, Australian fly fishing. Uh, I am going to put this out there, mate. Hmm. I think Australians of quite a unique situation in the world. We're able to cherry pick, you know, the the best tackle and, and you know, situations and through the power of social media, we can see the best fishing around the world. We've, we've got some incredible fishing here, but I think some things too, like locally we've, you know, we've had the tyranny of distance, you know. Um, you know, we've had, you know, it's been been in past challenging for us to travel overseas uh you know given our our, our uh you know how far it is to, to fish some of these places you know us etc etc northern hemisphere you know destinations and um you know it's resulted in in um well locally um tackle choice is probably not as good as some of the big european and us destinations but um oh here's one for you uh Hooks fly, uh, well, even close to home. What am I th- I'm talking to, I'm talking to a, a guy who owns a fly shop. Um, we haven't always had materials like we have now. Mm. It wasn't that long ago that um, yeah, people would would, would commonly complain uh, when meeting in small circles in in speakeasies <laughs> that um, yeah that Australia was um, relegated to the scraps on the floor for uh, fly time materials we always yeah. thought that we got got the crap you know um so yeah it's uh yeah it's a different time now for sure um yeah you're right it's different it's it's it I'd, i would love to be commentating on this and not be in the industry you know because it's uh it's an interesting time but um you're right yeah, yeah. it's uh yeah i apologize yeah. For, for throwing you under this bus man um but look uh on the upside fucking legs are going well Oh man, that's yeah. Um, I've been hard to get hold of, I guess, for a lot of people, I suppose. And, and if you are one of those people and you're listening to this, my sincerest apologies. Um, yeah, the flat, the flashcraft legs are, are pumping. We've just in the last week, m- myself and my wife have been processing and packing for three new shop, three two new shops in the US and one in South Africa, in excess of around two thousand packets of legs. So that's um, that's nearly um, right. really. 10,000 crab legs that have um that have that have been exported from australia so that's i mean we're coming to australia Day. It's, it's it's something to be proud of i suppose it's an australian made and designed product yeah. and um and as i've said in the past you know flatscraft is, is definitely a team effort there's some really good fishers around australia that um that i engage and talk to including yourself faults you know as you know like it's um oh, that thank you well, that have had a massive role uh, in in flatscraft. It's um, you know, it, yeah, one hundred percent. Well, I mean, you'd only have to go to the flatscraft website to, to see. That I wrote in that blog about how the 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 gas crab came about, then the moon crab legs, and you know, I gave you a, a huge kudos because like the the moon crab leg was 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 pretty much well, it was pretty much your idea, you know. So it was um from the right from the very very get go. Then you know, you and I refined it and um. Yeah, yeah, then it, then, then it just 
became a machine. Been fortunate, man. So, so t- thank you for for acknowledging. Um, you know, we, it's funny. Chris and I have a lot of conversations um, about all sorts of shit, like literally anything and everything. But um, every now and again, one of us will just spitball something, and you know that that's one of them probably spitball moments. And yeah, um, we've had a few more too, right, eh, Lately. Oh yeah, the writing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Well, I, it, my my style. I I like doing this because I I like having to be. Um, I like giving. I like giving what what I just what we decide to put out, which is obviously a group effort, credibility. But there is um there's patterns and and designs that are in the pipeline that are out with 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 um you know guys that I trust their opinion of that are putting them in the water right now and. There's been a few that haven't worked, that haven't seen the seen the um, seen seen the internet, and it's pretty cool. You know, I, I like it, mm. and yeah, I, I guess um, I'll be honest with you, Volta. I I, uh, I know this is sound sound sound, but I mean, like, uh, I feel a sense of responsibility with with you know what's Flashcraft in in 17 different shops around the world now, um, in less than less than 12 months of wholesaling and stuff like that, and it's uh, I, I don't know of any other Australian-made design product that gets exported around the world like that. I haven't known of one besides fly tires, to be honest with you, and the whole time I've been involved with it. So it's something that um, as a group effort, which I keep emphasizing because it truly is that as a collective, we, we you know, we, we can be proud of, that's for sure. I'm I'm proud that, that you guys should be proud, you know, I guess you could say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm super proud for you, mate. It's, um, you know, uh, it's the best thing for me and, and it's going to sound ridiculous, um, but my whole motivation for being in podcast has always been to get people connected and seeing seeing people have more successful trips all around the world now, you know, based on you know, just the genesis of it is just a little conversation here or there. Like, you know, oh, what about, why don't you do that? What do you reckon about this? Mm. You know, like, well, look at that split crap. You know, Fultz, why did, how did you stack that, that fiber and then get the, the mutineer legs on? I just stuck them on. It's got to be a better way, hasn't it? You know what mm. I mean? And you know, that was another thing, you know, then that became split crap, you know. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot of stories like that. Even the, the new tab eyes, like, you know, Chad, yeah, Chad yeah, contacted Chad. me once and he's like, have you got any tab eyes? I'm like, no, nah, I don't. I've, I, I've got this idea for him, but they, but they won't work. And, and he's like, oh, I've got, I've got, he actually, he had a, he had a large order going overseas and he's going, oh, I need, I need a tab eyes. I'm going, oh, that, they, the, the glue doesn't adhere to that material. And then I've gone, oh, hang yeah. on a minute. And, um. Yeah, then yeah, through a series of conversations, came up with um, I came up with the idea from my concreting background to use it as mesh in between, like the glue being the cement and the um and the tab material being like Rio in concrete, and it's just fucking great, fucking works it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. there's been all that sort of stuff's been happening like that. The yeah, uh, heaps of it, you know, like the and the um, how's funny? Like I had to eat my words it's, it's talking to this. I suppose I guess we can be proud of it. We can proud of the podcast, proud of Aussie made products, I suppose, because it's coming close to Australia Day, but. The um that the uh, the Artie Merc, you know, like talk about having to eat my words. How many times I said on the podcast before that design came out, it's not possible to have an articulated claw fly. <laughs> to be fair, you said a floating crab fly. So uh, no, articul- yeah, know. well the 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 issue was that the claws were so so buoyant that and we need a. I main I I'm, I maintain this big time with any crab fly that any crab fly that's wafting along the bottom. Um, that's 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 at the mercy of the current or moving with the current isn't going to be as effective as a as a crab fly that that that's anchored to the bottom 
And I've always thought that was the effectiveness of, of those cranker crabs, you know, is that, you know, you can chuck them out with, with gel spun line with the, the diameter of a hair, but with a fly rod, you've got, you know, like a floating line that's just picking up or intermediate line or even a fast single line, which would be unusual for a crab fly. Um, that's just picking up the current and just dragging it along, you know, unless you can position the boat and cast along, you know, obviously not perpendicular to the tide. You've got a lot of parameters to figure out with using a crab fly with articulated claws, but it can be done and it's working, you know, it's pretty cool. And that's just from a series of conversations as well, really. Yeah, yeah conversations, refinement, like, you know, you, you've always passed on any sort of, um, uh, credit where you know which i think is we've always said it's the it's the most alpha thing you can do is just give credit like it's it's not over an alpha it's it's the the right thing to do you know? yeah um, yeah i agree it, it's yeah. funny man like it the, the moon crab was you know like originally you flowed the idea um you know then we went back and forth with design then then um you know the moon crab fly came out for a little bit meanwhile while well, there's gavin davis mucking around with um with what with what you know what is known now known as the gas crab um with different different methods and stuff and man that fly I've, I've said this before but it's just it's just really funny because that fly had been around i've known it between me and gavin for a good year or more before it and i used to scoff at him about it you know like this fly had no name at this stage um and and it wasn't until the 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 principles of it sort of became became apparent i've gone jeez jeez gav that that, that flies that's that's pretty much technically perfect with everything you know like real like it was just like once around the sort of time starting to realize that drag paid more of more of a role in weight in um crab fly design uh with all fly design really at the end of the day and that probably comes from game changes as well it's just weird how it all ties in and that's um yeah then then you know i was just sitting around one day and going man this is this is your fly this, this is a gas crab and he, he didn't want to call it a gas crab actually but it's weird now it's um now it's called a gas crab everywhere. It's 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 a it's a it's a weird name. I see it everywhere. In fact, I even see um, you know people people I'll go there. People copying the design and calling it a gas crab. And and I speak to Gav as, as well about this. And he's like, oh, I don't support that. <laughs> he's um yeah he finds it pretty interesting, you know. But it's uh it's interesting how it's all it's all flourished. And just because it's Australia Day, you know, just in a, a big old Australian product. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and on that on that note too, man. Um, you know, the podcast now. What we downloaded, I think it was last count, fifty one, fifty two countries. Um, yep. You know, that's been. You know, we've ruffled a few feathers along the way. Um, you know, rightly or wrongly. Um, uh, look, you know, you'd have to be made a stone to say who cares, but I mean, you kind of yeah. we, we kind of got her to show up every day, every week. You know. Yeah, and you know what if. If it just causes discussion about issues, sometimes we're we're happy to, have, you know, we're both big enough and ugly enough not to lose sleep over it. So, I think it, I think the look, man, that that that's the noisy minority, you know. Really, at the end of the day, and I think a lot of people would attest to that for sure. You know, we we are almost at three hundred thousand downloads, um, you know, and averaging, you know, around fifteen hundred organic downloads from, you know, organic meaning. A new source not like you know it's not like counted as two if you stop stop playing it then press play again that's still one download yeah pretty and pretty impressive that's 300 on on one platform the one platform oh, yeah. gives us that we pay for the pay for the stats on and most people aren't using that they're using itunes or some other shit. so that's right yeah. that's one of one of skew app called podbean yeah exactly it's 300 000 
downloads on that. It's yeah. it's surreal. I think I could speak on behalf of both of us when we say it's it's very surreal that um oh yeah these two shit talking um washed up fly fishers. <laughs> we look we look back, you know, and acknowledge Balchi back row of the Genesis. Yeah, his idea and you it know, was his idea, hundred percent. Yeah, but anyways, yeah. thanks for listening. Was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, coming on this ride and supporting us, been good. Yeah, mm. I was only speaking to Andy yesterday, day before or something like that. It's um, I reckon this show would have a pretty heavy hunting element if you were still involved in it. To be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, we've been enjoying that journey he's taken too. So, yeah, yeah, man. But, no, I think it's. I think if there's one one day of the year for us to be to be proud of ourselves, mate, it's um, it's this one for sure. Um, hope you don't mind, listener. But uh, look, I guess the reason we're telling you this because we, we want you to be, be proud too, I suppose. And we want to be thankful for our, our international listeners who listen to us and put up with our thick Australian accents and words that you probably, you know, uh, what the hell is that? You know, what's a drop bear? I don't know. Um, but <laughs> look, uh, you know, thanks, really, at the end of the day. Thanks. I think, I think this is the appropriate time now to talk about tonight's tonight's uh guest now um when we talk about australian fly fishing destinations saltwater fly fishing destinations um <coughs> you know essential experiences um is uh weeper in far north queensland and you know we've had we've had a few guys on before we've um we've had alan phyllis kirk you know he's probably the godfather of weeper what one of the one of the founding you know fathers so to speak of of uh, guided fly fishing in Australia, um, we've had him on. We've had Bargy, who who took over that um, took over that um, uh, particular um, operation. Uh, operation, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. I got I got lost there. Got you, and, mate. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And then tonight we've got uh, Sir Kurt Rollins, um, and Sir Kurt used to work in Harvey Bay, and you know, like all. Um, all uh, decent fly fishing guides, aspiring fly fishing guides with stars in their eyes, they find themselves moving north. And he uh, he went up to Weeper, packed up everything, his, uh, his lovely young bride included, and, and moved up there for an opportunity. And he is making hay. And um, and uh, Kurt Kurt's been a supporter of us for a long time. Um, so it seems really fitting that um, uh, tonight's show that we offer you is a, is a is a cool off the cuff uh, conversation with with Kurt about you know himself, his journey, uh, weeper, fly fishing, uh, where you know the state of a few things up there, including sharks, including you know a few few other bits and pieces. Um, uh, there can be no doubt about the productivity of weeper still and and this particular operation. Um, you can find it there. We'll put the link in the, in the chat. We um, looking forward to to talking to Kurt about. Weeper. So, uh, hope you enjoy it, listeners. Happy Australia Day, and um, thanks for your support. Yeah, what Volt said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get curtains on. Let's. Get- <laughs> <laughs> i
not taking any more chances. All right, we're, we're recording. Let's hope this doesn't drop out. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So you guys are still operating on just that single wire for the internet up there, huh? Yeah, yeah. One nailed right. to the post. Yep, yep, yep. I've got to go People out still hang their washing off that one? Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. Well, 100%. welcome to the show, Captain Kurt Rollins. Thanks. Second time around. How'd I get so lucky? Mate, we drew your name out of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Wasn't even a big hat. We don't have a lot of people to choose from. <laughs> no, nah, thanks for having me. It's good to um come on again. Hopefully, my smoke alarm doesn't go off this time. It, with, oh. Is that what happened last time? <laughs> That's right. What about that? It was such a hot interview. It was. Was your missus cooking toast or something? Oh, it must have been. I don't remember. Something <laughs> going on, but we got there in the end, though. I believe, right? Yeah, slowly but surely. Were you in Weeper last time we spoke nah. to you? No, nah. nah. I was still in the Bay. No, nah, that was, um, I think I moved here probably six months after that phone call. A lot's changed in the Bay now. I believe it's the, it is referred to as the Bay. Right? It's very hip now. What? Yeah, okay. Oh, do you want me to I'll do it again, boss? You never heard of Harvey? Hopefully, we never have to hear that again. Thankfully, it's immortalised in the Intermediate Line podcast repertoire. You beauties, you beauties. So, Kurt, you we we haven't spoken to you since your your sojourn north, and to listeners. Um, you are located in Cape York, uh, and the township of Weeper in Cape York. Is this correct, Your Honour? Yes, 100%. Up there, living the dream. Living the dream. How's the dream going, buddy? Is it truly the dream? Yeah, no, it is really good up here. It's, um, aside, fishing aside, it's just a really cool place to live. Although, um, at the, at the moment, it's, um, it's a bit tough with this, the past couple weather events up here have sort of stopped any like mail and food and stuff coming in. We've only had like two food barges since Christmas, so Oh been, yeah. Yeah. It's been a bit um a bit basic on the dinner front, but What have you been eating, mate? Oh, just pastas pretty much, meat and veg if we're lucky enough to get meat, but yeah, just keeping it basic, pizza, pub runs. So Yeah, right. Do you miss yeah. Harvey Bay? No. <laughs> no. You said it wrong, dude. from that point of view, like Oh yeah, no, nah, I'm not not gonna lie, like the, those little things, like just being able to go to the shops and buy whatever food you want and go mm. to the shops and buy a fly tying gear or uh, the tackle shop here is really good, like for conventional fishing, but the fly selection is pretty small compared to the bay and all that sort of stuff. Or just going to get boat parts, you know, like having to wait, you know, up to two weeks at a time just to get parts up here can be a bit tricky, but um, yeah, you sort of learn to live with it. When you buy stuff, you just buy buy in bulk and make sure you've got a lot of stuff sort of sitting around to keep you out of trouble. Sure, Maybe we could, we could help those people that, you know, might live overseas who can't picture what it's like to live in the red bauxite town of Weeper. Is it, is it best described as as um, as a, as one of the many scenes out of Crocodile Dundee 2? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yep. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yep. It's pretty wild up here. People walk around in, in bare feet in the bush and just run into each other in the mid mid paddock. Yep, yep, that's pretty oh, much cool. explains it. Spot on. Most people are named Mick. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mick. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a pretty wild place. It's um, a lot of freedom here, you know, that, and a lot of things are real accessible, which is cool. A lot of real cool camping places not far from town, and well, it's only like two hours drive to the start of the telly track if you're into that sort of stuff. Um, yep. A lot of real cool stuff like that around. Fishing's obviously really good, a lot of hunting up here. It's, it's a, um, like a adult playground, really. Yeah. Yeah, it looks that way. Have you have you indulged in any of the um? I mean, I've seen seen on your social media going to some of these incredibly p- picturesque sites, um, you know, to go swimming and stuff like that. But have you indulged in some of the um, uh, you know, big boy activities? You know, done gunshot, shot a pig, all that sort of stuff. Have you done that? Yet? Oh, which, no, I've, I've gone to the gun range and stuff. Bargy's always into me about shooting something with a gun, but I want to get a bow. I'll be getting the bow soon. I want to get into that sort of. The bow hunting side of things, it seems um, very, very similar to fly fishing, I what? guess. It's all about the stalk and having to read the animal and trying to get in as close as you can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what, it up. what would be your dream animal, mate, on, on that front? Like, would you like to shaft uh, a pig or what? Yeah, shaft one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Is that what they say? Is that yeah, the FIFO activity, that one, I believe, maybe, mate? Maybe all the people in your circle, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Nah, I, um, I'm not too fussy, man. Like, I've never really – well, I've never done it, obviously. I would like to get a good scrubber, like a big bull. Uh, that would be pretty cool. Are we, are, we yeah. still, are we still joking around here? Well, <laughs> no, they get angry, hey? Like, you shaft a oh, scrubber yeah. and you don't do it right. <laughs> they'll, they'll come <laughs> after you. They'll chase you through the bush. Yeah, I hear if you don't finish rough properly, they keep calling you too. <laughs> oh, like, it's no. weird. <laughs> I actually meant gunshot the Forby track on tele on the telly track. Yeah. Oh yeah. Have you done no, that well. yet? <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah, no thanks. I like Forby, but I don't want to freaking ruin my car. <laughs> Sorry, ruin my car. <laughs> yeah, wow. Those weekends sound wild, man. You go hit the the tally track. Do you ever pop over to the coast, the east coast, or something like? No, oh, I haven't done that yet. It's it's yeah. hard because um. Generally speaking, like during the dry season, I'm doing like five, six, seven day work weeks. So I don't really have the time to pop over there. And then come the end of the year, when the weather's really nice over there, I'm um, doing stuff here that I didn't get to do here all year. So next year, that's big on the agenda. I'll probably go there in November, December next year for mm-hmm. um, four or five days because it's only like four and a half hours drive to Portland Roads, which is pretty good. What? Portland Roads looks incredible, mate. You know, just it looks like a nice place to visit. You know, yeah. there's pretty pretty interesting rainforest there, the Iron Range and McIlrath Range and all that shit. So yeah, yeah, no, it's um beautiful part of the world, and there's a lot of untouched stuff over there too, like fly fishing wise, a lot of yeah. bees and a lot of perms, all that sort of stuff. Be good to get over there and touch it. You know, it's um, <laughs> that East Coast fishery. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think it's just. Sort of, um, uh, it's a bit hard to line up weather because it's you know blowing twenty knots most of the year over there. So yeah, it's a bit hard to well, get over there. But as yeah. soon as we get those sort of nor'westers start here, then it gets real nice over there. Obviously, I was going to yeah. say, don't you guys get a, a certain degree, um, amount of reliable westerlies at, at um at given times of the year? Yeah, pretty well. Like October, October on late October on, um, you sort of start to get the. Well, definitely the Arbo Westerlies, but a lot of the time, real calm, calm mornings, um, that'd be the sort of time you wanted to go over there, sort of from late October on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, okay. Mate, well, so with this uh, with this food shortage, shortage up there, can't you go and catch your own fish, mate? Isn't um, isn't Weeper a matter of, like, um, you know, hiding the hook inside the boat so the fish <laughs> don't jump in? Oh, if only. No, it, um, you, you definitely could. At the moment, it's just been a bit hard with the, the, the rain and the wind and everything. Like, there's, like, three-metre swells out the front, and it's been like that for at least the last week and then before that too it was still sitting at like a meter and a half to two meters so it's a bit uncomfortable and the water gets real dirty and then yeah it's been a bit average and then obviously inside the harbor this time of year we get really really high tides um so everything just spreads out obviously you can't go chasing barrows and sort of the the fresh water coming out of the rivers at the moment makes everything a bit harder to find so yeah we, this time of year we just i just generally chill don't worry about fishing too much you can you go and um, eat a scrubber? <laughs> yeah, if you're that hungry, maybe. <laughs> They're a bull, right? Yeah, like a scrub, scrub, scrub bulls, right? Like yeah, yeah you, you get decent beef off them, but you can't, you can't, you know. Not allowed yeah. to harvest. Not, are you not allowed to harvest? No, no. Nah, nah, well, it's um, all Aboriginal land, so. Oh, of course, right. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, so you get deer up there too, don't you? Um, Prince of Wales Island has... Oh, what deer was it? Oh, Rooster. Yeah, I think it's Rooster. Is that what I said to you the other day, Voltsy? No, oh, I didn't know we were talking about the other day. Rooster, yeah, Rooster are on those Torres Strait Islands, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Don't they get yeah. chittle up there too? Like that one from India, like this, the little one, that little deer? Yeah, charters, mate. Good the what? Yeah. The what, sorry? Down near Charters, down near uh, Oh, okay. Townsville, yeah. There's, I mean, there's obviously little patches here and there of sort of feral populations where – where people have, um, you know, there's been a few escapees and they, they're quite, um, you know, there is chance that, you know, 15, 20 years' time, I guess, they'll be much more widespread, you know, across a lot of that land up there because, um, you know, it's not it's not entirely different to their natural habitat of India, like Chris pointed out. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think um, all, all the only, like, wild, like, real wild game here is, like, cattle, pigs, wild dogs, wild cats. Yeah. There's a lot of dogs up there too, eh? Like I remember once we were down, you know, um, way, way, way down near Janey Creek and these dogs had chased a kangaroo into the water, eh? And, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, so I did the right thing and I thought, Shot oh, the I better, kangaroo. Save, oh. better save <laughs> Skippy. And um, I went, went over to Skippy and Skippy was more scared of me than the, than the dogs. And um, I felt real bad because I thought I made his situation worse and I um, sort of – I thought, oh, what happens if he get him in the boat? He's going to kick the shit out of me. I don't want him in the boat. <laughs> so I, I thought I'll be smart ass and just hook him with the um, with the uh, landing net and you know tow him to the next beach. Maybe he can get a, get away. The dogs pissed off as, as soon as I was there, right? But they chased him in anyway. And of course, this this thing just fights me in the water and uh, ends up drowning. And I felt really bad. Eh? I was like, I, I didn't help this at all. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so oh, you're but you, a jerk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but a, real a lot of Irwin crocodiles moment, live. Mate. Yeah, say yeah. it again, mate. That was a real Steve Irwin moment on my part. Like, <laughs> you don't mess with nature, eh? Hey. I know? believe that's called yeah. non-servation, right? Non-servation. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> what kind of dogs were they? Were they like wild domestic dogs or or dingoes? Yeah, dingoes. Yeah. Yep, gotcha. Yeah, plenty up here. You see a lot when we're fishing on the banks. Biden you get the black ones up there. there. I haven't seen them. Yeah. Um, they, they could be. That's a question for Jacko. He knows a lot about that sort of stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, right. Can you put uh, him on then? 
<laughs> yeah, I'll just give him a ring. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we need an expert? Like, so getting back getting back to the tucker, like it's just a matter of like you go out you if it's barramundi season you you like eating those or do you prefer like you know a lot of those northern guys like to fingers? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm partial to a finger. But um yeah. I um I'll eat anything, man. I, I like threadies. Threadies are good, but if you go out and just whack a couple of Spanish, that's um, you know, like a seven or eight kilo Spanish, most of it's fillet, so you can yeah. get sort of four or five feeds off that or finger mark or whatever. I'm not too fussy when it comes to fish. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty easy to catch. Is Sigatira an issue up there? Nah, so so I hear anyway. It's funny though because obviously the the mackerel move from the east to the west, but I reckon that's a really big problem on the east coast. But yeah, nah, from what I've um heard here, it's definitely not a thing. It's weird, eh? Like they say that you you, you shouldn't eat Spaniards from from the b b b b bay, right? But um, mm. but you can eat them. Like you could catch them out the front of like you know um, the reef at the uh, was it Long Reef or something in front of Noosa, and you can eat yeah. them. You know? Yeah, or they come down to the little bar, or, or you know they'll they'll they'll, they'll eat them there. They've got to they've got to, It's pretty unlikely that it wouldn't be fish that have travelled that distance for sure. Yeah, it's funny too because what yeah. the the no take recommendation in Harvey Bay it was from like Rooney's to um, Kungul, I think. Yeah, part of Puss Bay. Yeah, it was just part of Puss Bay. So you could you could whack one, you know, just outside of that, and it could and lay legally, or it's, well, yeah, legally, and he could very well have it. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird one. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's like they're saying that the Spanish mackerel that live beside that imaginary fence between between Rooney's and Gungle or whatever, you know, they don't they never travel outside of that. You know? Yeah, it's they're, weird. They're like a, they're a discreet population that just live and breed in there. That's it, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's an odd one. But I've spoke to a lot of you know commercial dudes there and and yeah. other like old timers in Harvey Bay that have never not kept a Spanish and they've never had sig. Whether they've just been exposed to it over a long period of time and they're just immune to it or or mm. what. But um, yeah, they um they couldn't care less about that rule and they've never had a problem. So who knows? Mm-hmm. I've heard it's of people pretty... getting. Sig from Queenies down there. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it makes the, sense. Um, one of the other guides down there was telling a mate of mine that their client got it from a Queenie. Kind of serves you right for eating a Queenie, though. I mean, to be fair, right? Oh, everything gets it. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm never going to knock eating Queenies, mate. We'll ask a lot of our <laughs> clients, we'll, we'll take the shoulders off one, cook them on the boat that day for them, and have fish wraps and the amount of people that have said, "Holy shit, this tastes so good!" It's um, it's funny. I would never keep them longer than a day in the fridge, or I would never freeze them. They turn into queenfish ice cream, but um, fresh, oh, they're good. Do you, do you ever indulge in that um, that famous queenfish delicacy, the numass? Yeah, that's actually what I name my boat. <laughs> yeah. Numass. No, yeah, numass. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about this whip, man. Have you like that? This has been a long time coming, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, it has, and um, yeah, no, it's a good little thing. It's only a six meter center console, long and skinny, so on deep V, so it rides really, really, really good, and it draws bugger all water. So, and that's what we sort of need up here anyway, because there's a lot of short, sharp stuff. And um, you know, if you've got older clients, which a lot of the time we do, old fellas don't really want to be getting their backs ruined when they're um, going to and from. What breed is it? 
Uh, Bill Fisher. So they made in the Gold Coast. He used to um, build Wahoo boats, so they're pretty much the exact same. Oh, okay. You're right. They're That's a pop- popular um, breed up here and in the Torres Straits. Just they're really, really well made for this sort of sea. Yeah, right, right. That's it. Uh, yeah, you got so it. You're right. I was just going to say, like, um, you know, like the the type of fishing that you guys do up there, you know, it's, uh, you know, it can be seen in um, more romantic scenarios with a, you know, like a tiny little skiff that does, you know, it's got hardly any dead rise and stuff like that. And with a, you know, like, but um, it's not really pretty. It's like when we had Will, oh, why have I drawn Will, Will's, the, the dude from Belize, um, Trey Pascatus. Will, Will, Will Flack, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, we're talking to him about his boat as well, and you know, he he's got that panga, you know, for oh, I'd for love the, one of those things. For the re- well, yeah, for the reason I think when I, um I, when I first went to we were on a mothership and we we're on the manta ray Kim Anderson's boat and um and they the the tenders off that were um Godwins, pretty much like a south wind, like a like a panga type thing anyway. And yeah, um, yeah, I can remember being in that. It's um. They, they, yeah, they were incredibly smooth through all that short, sharp shit, eh? You know? Yeah. You can, you no, can see why people, you're right. Oh, they're a well-made boat, you know, and they're, like, very well-rounded. They can do a lot of different things. They draw bugger all that, because they're skinny, they, you don't need big horsepower to um, push them along, real fuel efficient, stable. Just they're, wet um, as, wet as fuck, that's all. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's only down for. But it'd yeah, be good when you, those sort of boats up, once you're doing that sort of stuff more remote up north, they're sort of perfect because pretty well no matter what the tide is, you can duck in real close to the beach even. And it's obviously blowing offshore here 90% of the year. So mm. you can get in close to the beach because there's not really any rocks up there that, that you can sort of come unstuck on. But in Weepy, there's a lot of stuff you've got to go like right out and around on the big low tides. And generally when we have those big low tides, that's in winter and Normally in the dry season, in the middle of winter, we get big winds, sort of 20, 20 plus knots most days. Mm-hmm. And that's when you want to, that's when you want a boat that's got a deep V that can just sort of push through everything. So everyone's all comfortable and dry. Yeah, that's usually offshore winds though, right? Yeah, exactly. Like I was saying. Yeah. It's offshore yeah. pretty well most of the year. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, that's pretty cool, man. So have you, you see, you've got, obviously got this boat and weeper now, yeah? Yeah, yeah. What, what was it? I think I, Got it on the water in July, very start of July. Right. Okay. And um, and did you just use a big Nico to write num ass on there? <laughs> no, I haven't got it written on there anyway. That was just the, the name I called it for when I put it in survey. Oh yeah, cool, cool story. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. 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 You never thought about calling it something cool like Dragon Boat or something like that, or um, the the the, the Nighthawk Wanderer or something like that. No, yeah. Dragon Boat was taken. Bargy has that. So. Does he? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Unfortunately. Well, how's that, mate? A boat named after you? Dragon, yeah. I I really aspire to having two boats, of course, an own fleet, you know, with a vessel for every... <laughs> mini fleet. Day. Mini fleet, yeah, mini fleet. Yeah, and, um, like a mini admiral. Yeah, and I'd, I'd have Dragon and Nightwolf, you know. Yeah. Would you ever call on Nighthawk whilst in Dragon? Like, whew, like whistle out... Like monkey, Tippy Taka. You're just out on a nice day on the bay with Tippy Taka, and just figured, yeah, you, know, you know, we'd be better off in Night Owl right now. <laughs> Nighthawk, sorry, Night Owl's the convenience <laughs> shop where you got your uh, lunches from. 
Brookie's <laughs> breakfast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's cool, Kurt. That's uh, that's that's really cool, mate. So, um, um, have you fitted? Have you you fitted a shallow water anchor on that boat too, right? What was that? Sorry. You fitted a shallow water anchor on that boat, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I got the power pole blade ten on the back. Um, oh yeah. Went ten because we do a lot of barra fishing and stuff too, and some of the creeks are a little bit deeper, so it's good. That sort of negates the the use of an electric in a lot of the um, scenarios that we fish. That's why I went the longer one. Do you have a uh, a rule as to where you you know the depth that you're okay with fishing with that with the with the ten foot? I know you might, a... you might say, oh yeah, well ten foot deep, but no. Nah. Not no, the case. Obviously, it's not going to sink in. Very bottom Eleven. Of the hole, yeah, and yeah. it's yeah. So I can hold bottom good um, with like hardly any run, hardly any wind in like two point three. But as soon as there's a bit of bit of current or a bit of wind or something, two point one meters. Meters, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I was going to say feet's a bit extreme, right? That's a, yeah, no, must sorry. be very muddy, very silty. Ten foot power pole, and I'm talking meters. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so what's that? That's um, that's six feet, around six yeah, feet. Yeah, over yeah, seven. No, to, seven. Seven to eight. Yeah. Seven, seven to eight. Yeah. Yeah. Seven is two point one, and eight would be two point four. Yeah. So right. Yeah. Right. Six so, and six is what um around two, one point eight. One point yeah. eight, mate. Yeah, you, you'd know that if you were six foot. Fuck. Oh, yeah. I don't. I, I, I just like to. I never. I never say how hey, I'm one one point eight. You know, I just say six foot. So it's, yeah. it's not something that enters the, my conversation regularly. You know. Sure, man. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so you, got, you got the power pole, and it's uh, it's ten foot. So, and and you use it a lot, do you, mate? Yeah, man. I'd be um, lost without it. I last year I had well, a different boat. Um, I had a five and a half meter hooker, and I only had an electric and. It was it was good. Electric's good, but obviously you got to have good batteries and or good management systems. I didn't have that, so by the end of the day, the electric can sort of get tired. And just being able to pull up somewhere and just press down, and your boat's sitting exactly where you want it to be, it's just mm. so much easier. Not making noise, and it definitely and quieter, yeah. yeah, yeah. And fish fish know like well, I'm not going to say they know what the sound of an electric is, but they can hear it. They can hear something that, and a lot of the time, it sort of puts them down or makes them a bit more wary of what's going on around them. So I, yeah. I really like that power pole. They're, that, um, that's they're an interesting – sorry to jump in. There's an interesting sure. avenue I really wanted to ask you about, like is fish are fish. And, you know, obviously, you know, weeper would be, you know, by most measures for, for city folk like us, pretty remote. But the, the fish up there still, you know, get to see a few boats and a bit of traffic, right? Yeah, I think – the, one of the biggest things is like we're only eight and a half nine hours drive from Cairns now. It's only like two hundred and fifty odd k's of dirt, so it's a lot more accessible for DIYs. And then on top of that, we've got three flights in every day. So, and I don't know how, how many operations up there guide. And now there's a lot of us, and so they do see you know, a lot of pressure. We're lucky that we're sort of the only ones um, doing a lot of stuff what we do. But as as soon as we sort of try and double a little bit more into the bar and and the offshore sort of stuff. There's a lot more dudes doing that. Mm, yeah, right. So those, that, the, like, the rivers, sorry, the rivers and stuff, they cop a lot of pressure in tourist season. Like it's sort of from June to start of September or mid-September, there's always boats up the river. And if you're stuck in the river because there might be too much swell out the front or whatever, it's pretty hard to find your own little honey hole, I guess. Sure, sure. And what, um, you know, how have you responded to that, that, 
that pressure. Like it, it'd be a bummer to go all you know all that way to get to Weeper, and then you know obviously there's a few rivers, right? Well, you know each side of Weeper, but still, like even the Pine and Nominate, they're they're not something that that you can just flick over to, right? So you know, yeah. It, yeah. yeah, generally if you're going, yeah, like if you're going over the pine, you you always got to have a backup plan. But generally, there's not many people over the pine. I think the rivers in town, like the Hay, the Emberley, and the Mission, they get fished pretty hard because a lot of a lot of the holiday makers don't want to travel too far. But there's there's always somewhere to fish, and you know, I guess to the average punter, they're probably just fishing all the stuff that looks really good to the eye, like a like a big snag bank or a rock bar or. Or something yeah. like that, but there's there's so many other places that fish hold, so there's always something to do somewhere. Luckily, that's we're pretty blessed up here for that sort of reason. Mm. Yeah, sure, sure. We, we get pretty one-eyed as fly fishermen in the area, though, right? You know, flats, walking the beach, you know, just snag bash and stuff like that. Do you find that um that there's uh, a lot more options that um that that don't get explored on the demands of from fly fishermen? No. Uh, Yes and no. I think one thing that would be cool to tap into a little bit more is this sort of the the sweetwater stuff. Like we had Japanese internationals at the end of the year, two fly fish shows and one spin fish show, and, and they really wanted to catch Saratoga. So we, we took them not far drive from Weepy, you know, it's only like an hour and a bit. And you just spend the day walk at the banks and these like in the Wenlock, pristine, super clean water. You sight fish in togas, it's, it's pretty cool. And with the fly, it is a little bit harder, um, maybe with guys that haven't got a lot of experience in tight water but there's a lot of banks you can get out and you've got sand um like sand right up to the water and it's super shallow it might be like a deep edge on the other side but you've got clear behind you so you can lay out like a 30 foot cast with pretty well no worries at all so that sort of stuff we'd like to well i think this year this coming season we're going to try and tap into it a little bit more and because we've got a um we've lined up with the heli the helicopter guys in town some trips, some remote trips down um, to the middle of the Cape on a on a cattle station. I'm going to try and do a collab with one of the um, the bow hunting guides down there. They're, they're on the Holroyd River, the very, very, very back of it. And there's billabongs <laughs> and lagoons everywhere filled with barrows and toga. So we're going to try and do, you know, just like one or two nights down there and then a few, night, a few nights out of Weeper sort of thing. We'll be offering that. Hey, mate. be cool. Do you, um, everyone hears rumours of, isolated billabongs with literal ironing plank togas you know meter plus is this a, is this is this one of these holy grail locations because that that sounds fucking cool yeah well meter plus is, would be the ideal thing but fish yeah. get caught to 80 centimeters there like very regularly um and wow. the only people that can fish it are the people that are like coming with us or fishing with the hunting lodge because um, they do a bit of fishing as well. But so essentially there's there's lagoons there that Maddie, the dude that runs it, was telling me that literally have either never been fished or only fished once in five, six years, you know. Wow. So that's, okay. that's so good. They're, they're I got cool. a question question for Volti. Um do you iron your shirts on an ironing plank? I don't know, man. I, I feel like this is one of those things you've been sitting there waiting to get. You me just on. said it. You just said, like, are there ironing planks in the in the water? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm thinking there's got to be some associated there from an ironing board, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> you're the domestic bitch, you'd know. But Whoa, that's <laughs> very aggressive. Shots <laughs> fired. Very aggressive. I didn't but tell me, uh, yeah, if there's big togas here, man, and um, and you get to fly in a helicopter. That's 
That's pretty crazy. Yeah, pretty cool. And there's obviously there's other places you could do that too. Like there's little holes up and down the Archer River that are the same, and you get really good barrows, really good togas, and um, and stuff like that. And then you can heli fish up north as well. We're going to try and do a bit. Hopefully, try and do a bit of that this year. And then there's some really cool barrow rivers down south that we're going to try and offer to clients as well. Um, bit of a run, but it's pretty special stuff down there. You sort of have you know 200, 300 fish days without any worries. I don't think we've mentioned who you work for, Kurt. I just realised. I think we've just been talking about you as a guy. You're nice and stuff there. Do you want to talk yeah, us, talk, it, talk, talk about who you work for? <laughs> um, so Fishers Fine Sport Fishing. It's um, the longest established uh, business or fly fishing operation up here. Fish started that oh, over 20 years ago now. And um, <laughs> obviously he's done a really, really good job. And all the guides that have worked for him have sort of built up a really good client base to where we are now and um spaggy bought the business a couple a few years ago and yeah haven't looked back so we've had fish on the podcast and we've had bargain on the podcast and now you twice so i mean there's plenty of um you know i guess it'd be interesting i suppose if you were a person who was looking to fish cape york for the first time uh in australia um to you know to have a bit of a, i mean the podcast in itself is a good information source to sort of um get to know like you said, like the oldest operating um, fishing Most, charter business yeah. in Weeper. Um, and it's, um, there's, a, there's a few in there right now, but um, you and a couple other guys, you guys are full-time residents there now. Like you guys live there through the off-season. And, you know, so yeah. I mean, there must be, I mean, talk about talk about local knowledge. I mean, it'd be hard to pass up what you guys can offer. In, in amongst the diversity of what you just spoke about there, you know, you guys are all fly fishermen too. I mean, you know, fish and bargy are obviously um, known as that, and, and yourself, you know. So it's um, yeah, Jacko uh, loves it as well. Who? Jacko, sorry, Jack. Yep. That's Jack Bargy's son. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we've Jack. been waiting for we've been waiting for him to come on. It's um, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like you haven't called him yet. Is he? Oh no, I've rang him flat out the whole time since you said it, but he must be asleep. I was going to say, is he next to you by any chance? We live in the same area. <laughs> nah, I can actually probably hit his house with a rock from mine, but... Just yeah. try that for us, can you? Stop. Yeah, right. Give me a Just do it. <laughs> if yeah. you don't have a rock handy, an egg works as well. Egg? Yeah, right. He wouldn't have any of them, would you? They'd come to come on the barge. No, actually, we got a uh, delivery of, of meat and eggs like two days ago, but there's none left now. Oh, fair enough. Did you get good meat out there, mate? Yeah, uh, yeah, good enough. It's um, it's pretty good. Uh, like we've only we've got the butcher there. It's there is poison, but it is good quality. Um, but the woolies meat's pretty good. It's not a big selection. It's pretty basic. Like anything chicken comes frozen. Same with bread. All bread comes frozen, so you got to get that out of the freezer. Um, and then it takes, oh, I think it's three or four days for the sea swift barge to come around from cans. So sometimes, um, like your salad. Um, bags and stuff like that. But by the time they get here, they've only got like one or two days before they go a bit shitty, which mm. is a bit annoying. But um, yeah, I guess that's the surprise. Salad, eh? yeah. have, you, have you thought about growing um, vegetables in your roof? <laughs> some guys, nah. I've seen some guys have got some great hydroponic setups in their roof. Oh, yeah. Well, you would too. Yeah. Mainly around the... <laughs> really so I'm enter enter entertaining myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got to stop doing this show so late. Jesus. Um, 
Mm. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. Well, it's it's yeah, right. Well, that's that's interesting. We've learnt who you work for and, and how long they've been around and what you do and stuff. But um, yeah, I just thought we, we 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 got a fair bit into the podcast there saying that, and like I could imagine people sitting yeah. there going, "Who is this dude?" You know? <laughs> yeah, they would be hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> it's Captain oh, KR. Man. Relax, guys. Who knows what he's doing? <laughs> so, have you anyway. have you managed to get your own fishing in up there, mate? My own what's Picking out your own fishing? Yeah, this year was pretty good because we ended the season a bit earlier than we normally do. So, and the wet didn't start for ages. So, we had a good like six weeks of good weather. Um, so, we went up and done a bit of stuff. We um, went up on a couple of palmer trips and um, just done a lot of stuff locally too, just with the missus. That's good. I believe in the last 12 months, you, you, got your your first permit that you caught yourself uh, personally you know after yeah. so many so tell us about yeah. that experience mate how did it feel that was awesome i um i was solo so we had we were doing one of those camp trips and we had two clients and um three guides between me bargy and jacko and so jacko was just up there doing his own thing but he said he'd do a couple of days so bargy and i both got a, a rec day in and bargy had the first rec day he went and caught one as well and then i had my day and yeah went down to where we've been seeing them all and it was well probably only been fishing for 20 minutes and had my first shot it was water was a bit dirty it was a bit hard so my first shot the fish from like 30 feet from the boat and by the time i seen them i casted they spooked and then second shot i stuffed up had another big bunch and then third shot was oh, i was Probably too long of a cast to attempt. They would have been like over 100 feet out and they were sort of moving in the direction I was casting. But then by the time the fly landed, they didn't. So I was sort of like, oh, fuck. I was look, looking around, not paying attention, just slowly shipping my fly in. And then I just turned back and looked toward the fly and there was a school coming probably oh, 30 feet closer to the boat. So they weren't too far away from the boat. And um, so I just quickly stripped it in as fast as I could to intercept them. And as soon as it got close, just started drawing it away from one and one just came out first fish. Of the school just come out and ate it no worries in the world and then it was a bit annoying because that spot we'd been fishing and was getting pretty sharky and um the day before i think it was the day before we had one sharked or or one was chasing the permit around anyway but yeah no i ended up landing him but bargy was fishing pretty close so he seen me hook it and get pretty close to landing it and he's come over and tailed it for me and yeah rest is history quick photo let it go hey, before we uh, find out more about that Take us back to the feeling you had with that second cast, mate. Um, the second cast, the one I stuffed up. A bunch of grapes that came off the floor. How, how did you feel in that moment? Oh, awesome. As you do. That's the best <laughs> part about fly fishing. It keeps you freaking humble. Yeah. that is. I mean, in all sincerity, the worst part of fly fishing is fly lines. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is, man. It's just you get excited, not paying much attention, you know. And um, as a guide, you sit back and watch clients do it, and you're like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? But uh, guides do it too. Bloody yeah, up. everyone does it. Everyone oh, yeah. everyone gets everyone gets the grapes, that's for sure. Well, that, oh, that's yeah. pretty cool, mate. And that was that was a pretty decent fish from memory, right? Yeah, it was a good one. That um that area, you only really seem to get good ones in that spot. Um, but, yeah, big schools, and some of the schools we've seen in that area, like literally 200 fish plus. It's stupid. You just think, how the hell is that a school of fish? Looks like a giant cloud on the flat, and yeah. And sometimes you think, how how do you not catch one? But um, it can be done. 
Well, that's interesting, yeah, because so th- that's what Weep is known for is these big schools, right? Like, if, um, you know, seemingly, I'll, I'll get a full disclaimer right now. I don't I don't claim to be an expert in, in the whole areas because there's going to be people listening to this and go, oh, I've seen big schools here, I've seen big schools there. But there seem to be a lot of um, the big schools, like, uh, you know, you see a lot of um, arguably what's, what's breeding activity in around uh, some of the northern beaches um, uh, from Weeper, right? Yeah, I'm not sure like whether it's breeding activity or not because we've opened a few up over the years and we have never found bro from what I've mm-hmm. spoken to Bargy and Fish about. Um, so whether they are, I, I don't, it might be a pre-spawn thing, but we've we've opened them up at all different times throughout the season and still never seen it out of these big schools. But um, they very well could be spawning. But yeah, it is it is very common to see big schools of fish in in certain spots, definitely and. I think just the biomass of them up here is just incredible. There's just a lot of them. I think it's been, I don't know how, but underrated as a permit fishery. Not that permit mm. be all end all, but there's a lot of people that that do really really like them, and I'll, I enjoy chasing them. I enjoy guiding them just because it's it's always a bit of a challenge. And um, and yeah, but um, the numbers here are outrageous. Do you do you get them in all scenarios? As in like oh, yeah. um, yeah, 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 like. Yeah, plenty. You see them big schools daisy chaining in a big, big circle, you know, or you see big schools moving along and like there's just like a big ball of mud because they're all feeding hard. And you see lots of big singles, pairs, triples. You see lots of fish tailing, um, lots of cruising fish, lots of slow moving fish. It's, yeah, every scenario you could think of. I've even, I was actually in um, in a spot close to Weeper. Oh, it was during the season, I'm not too sure when, but. I seen a um like a garfish skipping getting chased and I just see this big yellow thing behind it. And I just glanced at it and I was like, Oh a big brassy or something and then I like stared at it a bit longer and it was a big permit fully chasing down a freaking garfish. Oh, cool, yeah. Proper bow wave. <laughs> it was gnarly. Wow. Yeah. Well, you don't see that every day. So given that, you know, you're quite vastly experienced and you you got that your first personal permit just recently relatively recently was is there any more boxes that you need to tick you know something oddball maybe like i don't know um, big diamond trevally or mother-in-law yeah, fish, something like I've that caught, i've caught a few big diamonds they're really cool but um mm. um i really want to catch a big batfish <laughs> as gay as that is there's um you see you some poo, really poo fly yeah poo eaters yeah no i um i really want to catch one of them they're cool and sickle fish they're real tricky too on the flat um, yeah, they're, they're hard to get a bite out of. Um, I haven't caught a Harry yet. Not that I've really thrown at any, but they're cool. I haven't got a big, got good Tusky yet either. So I definitely need to take one of them off, but it's just friggin' hard to find time. You know what it's like being a guide and then working five to seven days a week. And then in your one or two days off, if you're lucky enough to get them, you want, you need the right tides, the right wind, you need sun and all that. And a lot of the time it doesn't really line up, but yeah, that's right. It's, I don't know, you guys, yeah, on top of being busy, you guys will, you know, you won't hold back the good tides for yourselves. You'll you'll go take people there on a good shit. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. not, yeah, we're definitely nothing like that. But a lot of our clients sort of book, um, oh, they arrive on a Sunday and leave on a Saturday sort of thing, unless, like, the, the hardcore dudes that book around tides. And then um, on our like camp trips that's always booked around the moons and stuff so it doesn't really matter what day that is but they go for a bit longer than the standard week but um yeah we don't yeah we don't really care about like we do care about fishing in our own time and we all do fish in our own time but 
we're up here to we've only got you know eight months to work so if we just try to do whatever we can to do as much work in that eight months as we can and then kick back for a few hmm. yeah that'd, that'd be pretty savage man eight months six or seven days a week wow yeah you get pretty yeah. tired by the end of it but it's good because it's always changing you know like early season stuff we do a lot of beach walking and it's just numbers essentially like a lot of numbers of all sorts of species and then sort of come the winter months we're just starting to do those camp trips and they're a lot more sort of laid back and cruisy and um a bit more a bit more easy to do i guess and but the days are a tiny bit shorter but you're not running so far you know in the boat because generally out of week you're running like an hour at least in the boat a day to get mm. the spots um yeah. early season you don't have to run too far but and then sort of by the um, time it gets warmer again, that September, October, you're chasing barrows and threadies. And then November, lots of blue water, a lot of bait balls and stuff like that are happening. Mm. And then um, and then the season's done. Yeah, right. How's the, uh, how's the bride handling the move, dude? The what, sorry? The bride. You miss those? Oh, it loves it. Yeah, no, it loves it up here. It's the best, best thing she's done. Yeah. She says regularly, no, she really likes it, which I'm very lucky. If she didn't, we wouldn't be here still. But um, no, it's yeah. good. I think she just likes that it's just so easy to live here, you know, like there's no hustle and bustle. Everyone is pretty cruisy. They've all got the same mindset, you know, because um, it's so remote. Everyone's happy to help each other out and do what we can to support each other, which is good. And she's made a lot of friends because she, um, she manages the real estate here. So she meets a lot of people and yeah, she's really enjoying it. She's got a good role at her job, and she really loves her job, and yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, no, it makes my life easy. Very yeah. easy. It's, uh, you know, like it's it's often been said that Weep is a single man's town, that's for sure. So it's uh, as in like not the not the place um, many people would um, you know, move move their family to, so to speak, you know. So it's great yeah. that, you, that your family has um, assimilated so well into the into the community, really, at the end of the day. It's... um. Uh, you know, fishing, besides the mining aspect of it, tourism's got to be the next biggest thing, which is what your industry is, arguably, right? Yeah, and like what she's doing too with the real estate, obviously, because mining's so big, I don't know, they've got hundreds and hundreds of properties that are rented to the mine workers, so it keeps them super busy as well. Mm. There's a good yeah. little industry here, a lot of, um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate, absolutely. No, it sounds... um. Sounds like a pretty good life choice, Kurt. I'm pretty pretty stoked for you, dude. It's um, yeah, I know it was thanks. I know it was a big decision, right? Um, for you for you to make, um, uh, you know, leaving a job, you know, to 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 the great unknown, I suppose. That's uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, because like it was sorry, it was never really part of the plan to move here. It was always just going to be like I'll just do a couple months a year, fly in, fly out, and then yeah, after my first swing, I come up. I just mentioned to her, I was like be cool if he moved up there and then not long after like a couple of days after she's like oh do you wanna i was like yep <laughs> yeah and then we did she never even seen the place yeah really nah because <laughs> the house you, that house you guys were in was was uh down down in the Bubba bay was uh was pretty new too right like it was you know was yeah. only, only just sort of got that right as well yeah we were only there literally one year exactly yeah and i was yeah. working there just driving up from Gympie for a yep. couple of years, yeah, eighteen months or something like that. Yeah, man, it's been there's been a lot happening in KR's life, hey, since uh, yeah. for the last couple of years. It's been, yeah, flat out. Yeah, oh, it's good, I'm man. Any it's, other way, but. Oh, this is the time you want to do it, dude. A lot of people wait till yeah. um till they've worked their whole life to do stuff. What you're doing, it's awesome. 
No, that's the plan. Get in and stick, you know, go hard for a few years and get ahead and set ourselves up for for the um for the future when we have kids and everything, and then sort of we'll move back to civilization once we've had kids and everything. Back to Harvey uh, Bag, mate. Nah, nah, definitely not. <laughs> I might um. Yeah, I don't know. We haven't really decided, but it'll definitely be closer to family. It'll be, I don't know, like sunny coast land or something like that. We sort of like the look of. Yep. Yeah. Still yeah. close because all my family's in Gympie and all our friends are in Gympie, sunny coast. and So. Imagine that, obviously. moving from a place like Weaver for fish to somewhere like the sunny coast, which is completely devoid of fish. <laughs> yeah, it'll be tough, but um, yeah, I, I definitely want my kids to grow up around grandparents and family and stuff. It'll be a bit hard otherwise. They'll be like ten or twelve, going, "Dad, what's this fishing thing you guys talk about?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's funny, man. Like when we were in Harvey Bay, I think Katie caught like two whiting ever, and um, come up here and like the first first day I ever took her out, she caught like a sixty centimeter diamond trevally. And she wins wow. the whole time about her heart of fort. Big <laughs> 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 and just caught mackerel and cobias and all sorts of shit. Did, I see, did I see recently someone got, uh, it was, I think it was Gourmet Gold, Gourmet Gorman got a, yeah. got a spangled amber off the beach. His kid did. Yeah, man. It was like right next to the ramp inside the harbour. How cool is that? That's, That's awesome. That's weird, yeah. man. A lot of weird fish get caught there. I've been told stories of like 80 centimetre tuskies, like proper, you know, like seven, eight, nine kilo ones being caught there. I've seen I've seen like local kids catching like decent coral trout off the boat ramp here too. I've caught barra off the boat ramp at night. It's mm. um it's a funny little funny little spot. Oh man. You odd, odd croc hanging around that one too, eh? The boat ramp there. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. There was um there was, there was a big one hanging around inside the harbour, um, little Aboriginal township, Napronum, just, just inside the river there. Yeah. And um, it, ate a, it ate a dog, like, last year. I don't know if you've seen the footage. Oh, yeah, footage saw the it. video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, they end up... Was that, that. Hang on. Is that the dude who, who set up a camera at the boat ramp and walked into the water with his dog? It nearly got the nah, dude as well? No, no, no. That, no, was, no. that was in Cape Trip, I think. That's right. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, no, nah, he was just this there. Yeah, someone was filming it though, but yeah, like a, I think end up being 4.4 meters from memory. That's the one that they they, they trapped him. Um, yeah. but yeah, there was like four or five dogs playing in the water and it just come up and ate one. <laughs> well, you know, actually, I've seen a photo yesterday of like a three meter croc hanging inside the the um the, at the boat ramp marina. There, you gotta have some, you gotta, man. I, like it's been a it's been a real dream of mine to have someone who lives in um in in uh, far northern parts of Australia come on with some some gritty croc stories, man. And and you know so far it hasn't really happened. You know we had Millsy on last year who told us that the worst thing he's seen was a little freshwater croc run at him. Um, <laughs> you know the dude the dude's born and bred in the territory, and that's the best he's got. Come on, Kurt. You can do it, buddy. Uh, I haven't got anything too crazy. Last year when we went permit fishing, me, Bargy, and Jacko, um, a lot of the time, because there's three of us fishing, we'll just drive up to a sandbar that looks good and we'll just throw the anchor out and wade. And by, when I say wade, I mean, like, there's you put this, the boat on the sandbank and there's a big, long sandbank and you can see everything out for miles. If it's sunny, the water's clear, and it's all only knee-deep. Um, a lot of the time we aren't even walking in that deeper water. So mm. we're making sure we are croc smart. 
but this was the last trip that we done up there and we all got a permit that day by like it was like 10 o'clock in the morning we'd all caught one each and um so we're stuffing around and then we all jumped out and i think we just all got in the boat again and we're heading over to this little sandbar and we see this big black thing just sort of sitting on the bottom probably 50 meters away mm. and jack goes i'm pretty sure that's a croc and it was looking straight at us, so I could only just see its nose, and it just looked like a bit of stuff floating on the surface, and then it turned its head and ended up being probably like a three-and-a-half-metre croc that was watching us. Um, so we didn't get back in the water then. But the other day, so that's that's probably as nice as I got. The other day, though, I seen a, um, there was two people fishing on the bank with the dog, and um, we were fishing not too far away from them, and like a, a pretty big croc, it would have been three-and-a-half metres too at least. It was um, proper stalking them, probably probably 100 metres off the bank, and it was just sort of floating really slowly toward them, like really slowly. And every now and then it would spot us and it would go down, but then it would pop up closer to them. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> if they stayed down there long enough, they probably would have got eaten. Yeah, they were. Wow. They didn't know about pretty it? Scared. No, they had no idea. But yeah. um, they're generally pretty scared of people. Like, you'd have to be doing something stupid. You know, did you see uh, a little while ago Al Simpson put up a video? It went super viral, by the way. Like he's telling me some phenomenal amount of views, like several million views and stuff, of a of yeah. a croc that nearly ran into his boat. Like they were in yeah. shallow water, and it was just scooting away from the island into into deeper water, and and you know came in contact with his boat. It was moving so fast in the water, and I was talking to Al, and I've gone, it's amazing watching like you know like this recent trend of. Of people getting in the water in, in in tropical parts of Australia, you know, when when that's how fast a croc can move. And I was saying to Al, like, oh, it, yeah. would, it, it wouldn't matter, like, with how fast this thing moved. If it wanted you, and you were fit ten meters from your boat, this thing was this thing. You probably seen the video. This thing was a hundred meters from from the boat before it started hammering towards the boat. And um, uh, and if you were ten meters, like, there's no way that you could run through like you know thigh deep water. And even still, like to get in the boat in the time it took for that croc to get to you, you know, like oh yeah, that no, you can't outrun them. No chance in the world. There would be no chance at all. No, you'd, and you'd no. see it wouldn't be in that circumstance. Like it wouldn't be like if it's in a shallow water flat like that, that croc isn't stalking you. Like if you talked about those people on the bank there, that thing is like I'm visual, I'm going for it. You know, I'm um, yeah, a lot of I'm, the time I'm, when they're up in that in that shallow sandy stuff. They're looking for turtles because that's sort of nest from, oh, what is it, June or, or something? June onwards, yeah. I think, they nest. Yeah. And so a lot of the time they'll move up into the shallow water in the afternoon waiting for the turtles to go up and nest to try and catch them on their way in or out. Yeah, that makes so sense. Um, you talk about that. There's, I don't know the name of the island. Isn't there? It was a, there's documentaries about, like, turtle migration crab, up there in the mountain. Crab Island. Crab, crab Claw Island? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The, the crocs reckon, on there. They reckon crocs migrate from, like, hundreds of thousands of kilometers away just to just for that event yeah it's crazy the docos are, are wild at, for that for that for what happens there it's pretty cool that's just it's yeah. not far away from you right i mean no, yeah, no. I mean, well, when we're fishing our, like some of that stuff up north the permit you can it's well in like visual distance yeah like really? 10, 10 minutes yeah some of the some of the spots that we do fish wow that close to it yeah no, oh, not far at all yeah this, right there's um, I tell you what, like that. I mean, it's all good and well to say that, like you know, uh, like I mean, I can see everywhere, and that's 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 great sort of safety to 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 aspect to have, especially when you're in the water and stuff. But what about uh, I mean, the stingers ever concern you? Like I mean, oh, you, yeah, you got no, you got both oh, yeah. box jellyfish and irukandji in the area, right? 
Yeah, man. Like I went fishing not long ago with Katie. Would have would have been just before Christmas, I think. And um, when we had no swell, and um, I just we just jumped out on the beach, and the boxies will generally hang out like on the first sort of drop off right next to the beach, and they just sort of cruise along that little contour, like feeding. Um, yep. So so you will see them, and I pulled the nose in the on the boat, and I was like, oh, I'll just wait a minute in case you see boxies, and. I literally just looked out and like everywhere you looked up and down, there's boxies everywhere. And if the water was dirty and you just walked in, you would have gotten cleaned up. So yeah. They're, they're probably from as soon as we sort of get the, north, the consistent northwest winds is when they are pretty prominent. Um, mm. Before then, you will see the odd one that come early, 100%. Um, so you just got to be – well, boxies you can see, irrigantries you can't. Um, mm. So it's just about, yeah – playing it really safe like i don't let clients do it at all um and even still like when i weighed myself i don't even really weigh it's more like getting out onto a little sand flat parking the boat up on it and sort of walking out into you know shin deep water casting into a little bit deeper and you always make sure that there's no water behind you obviously because mm. you can't see behind you when you're casting and um not ever going out into deep water because there's no fish in the world that warrants doing shit like that and if the water's no. dirty and if it's cloudy um just yeah just stay away from it there's no there's no point putting yourself in that sort of risk if this I've is seen, something i've seen other people do it though yeah i was gonna say this would be something you guys would have discussed as as staff like you know buggy would have like you know like a toolbox safety meeting or something like that like you know don't don't put clients in the water and so that right i'd imagine yeah and we do a safety brief every single morning with the clients and they sign a logbook to prove that they've been told what the go is and in that brief we tell them no fucking getting in the water and they but all understand. They'd have to be told. I mean, like it, it, it's um, it'd be. I mean, most people are traveling to the area. They, they, there's no way a lot. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't be croc savvy for starters. Second of all, understanding like the potential of sharks. You know, like uh, in, you know, yeah. get anything that's sort of around waist deep and stuff. Or um, yeah. um, and then and then on top of that, like those um near you know like jellyfish. You know, certain times of the year. Irukandji are the scariest thing in the world. Yeah, in my you opinion. can't see them things. Nah. They're too small. They Apparently, box jellyfish have got the ability to, to swim around someone standing still, I've heard. Yeah, man, they're, they're funny because they don't look like much, but they're proper, like, moving around and they're hunting. Like, when the jelly prawns are, um, like, on that time of year, um, that's what they're doing. They're just cruising along that edge feeding on jelly prawns. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, it's weird. It's real weird. You wouldn't think anything of it, but they're like proper predatory. That's why yeah. they hang out in that sort of area. Interesting, mate. Yeah, no, that'd be um, that'd be the worst thing going. I mean, I don't know if you listened to our last podcast, but my co-host here recently came in a dash with uh, with one of the most venomous brim known to man. <laughs> and um, was that was a stonefish, wasn't it? Well. It was it was in the sand. Oh, I mean, if you don't mind, <laughs> if you don't mind, Volts, I'll take it from here. Um, um, <laughs> no, let let him I know. I didn't Volts. know those things were venomous. Brim, brim, yeah, yeah, got big teeth. Yeah, they um, are. Yeah, I've I've seen brim ruin marriages. I've seen <laughs> seen people people buy a hundred thousand dollar bass boats to catch brim. You know, <laughs> why would I? Yeah, it's crazy. I've always wondered that, what people yeah, do that. That's why they're everything. listed. Yeah, that, that's why they're listed as the most uh, one of the most dangerous fish in Australia. Is that why, Volts? Because of... <laughs> it's just for true, man. I mean, don't fuck around with brim. You know, that people will commit to them that hard, and they'll just mortgage the house for boats and yeah, yeah, twenty was, rods. 
I was the other day. I was on the Gold Coast, and there was this guy walking down the street, and he he had this this shirt said, um, you know, the old fuck around, find out, and you know, <laughs> there's, there's this brim on it, and I was like, oh, this guy's heavy, one percent. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story, true story. Oh, yeah. and, then, <laughs> yeah. and then then he and, you know he met up with his. He went. He went into this public toilet, and he came out with his other dude, right? And who <laughs> also? What's his name, Chris? Yeah, he, he had. Still there, Kurt. You're losing your hair, mate. <laughs> yeah, this guy came out, and yeah, I don't know. They looked real friendly, but anyway, yeah, he had <laughs> one of them had the fuck around, find out shirt, and one had brim. Don't do it, you know. And <laughs> that was it. It was a funny coloured brim. It's many colours. Anyway, well, these guys are obviously aren't the victims. You know, the the true victims you can tell the people who are victims of the brim. They're they're easy to tell apart because they're usually wearing you know shirts with with sponsors written all over it. Like they're they're very hard to tell the difference between that and the ten speed bike riders. Have you oh, noticed? Yeah. Oh yeah, they're suffering from identity crisis. Like you know, you don't know if their name's Daiwa or or something else. You know, like yeah. it depends. It just. You know, it could be that. It could be uh, any th- a lot of Japanese names. They, they do. They have a lot of options down one sleeve, and then a heap of options down the other sleeve. Usually, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of names. Yeah. Um, and to remind them, usually a very detailed uh, picture of a massive brim over their whole torso. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's yeah. It's hard. It's easy to easy to spot them, Kurt. But uh, it is. You're yeah. Right. Yeah, it is. But yeah, Volti had that brush with death, mate. And you know, we um we're lucky to have him, mate. Very some, lucky, aren't we? Some would say I deserve it after the panning. I just gave Brim, and I, I look. If anybody, there there are haters out there. There's millions of them. Look, guys, I'm joking. It's a joke, all right. It, it, if, look, guys, I'm going to back that up and say he's not joking, right? <laughs> yeah, he definitely isn't. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely was on the Gold Coast the other week. <laughs> Yeah, and my car, like it was a red light. That's why there was a right next to a public toilet. That's right, you know. And right. yeah, but I, I drove yeah. off very quickly. Second income. Yep. Um. Anyways, so do you get brim up? You get pikeys, right? They're they're like a yeah, man's brim. yeah, yeah. A man's brim, yeah. They can be tricky yeah. too, but I've probably seen more pikeys turned away flies and friggin' permit. Yeah, yeah man. Um, yeah, right. yeah, especially when they're up in that real shallow, like gritty stuff. And their backs are half out, and you land a nice little fly next to them. All the time, they're pretty iffy on it. Mate, yeah, dude. Fishing is fishing, and, and after that tongue-in-cheek expose on brim and brim fishermen, I fully identified what you're saying. It's it is fun. It is a challenge, you know. And it, and, and if you finally trick one, hey, you caught a brim. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I don't discriminate. You know, I think. Whatever you're targeting at that time is the best fish in the world. I, don't, I think as long as yep. you're out there giving it a crack, who cares? You can only, you know, catch what you've got available to you. It's true. That's true. I I give the, the carp down here a smashing, you know. Cause oh, yeah, that'll be fun. Fun, you know, it's side fishing. It's fishing. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, hand on my heart, it's fucking great. You know, you've you got to put aside these, um, these imaginary, um, you know, brim hate, bass hate, whatever, you, you know, insert fish name here hate um and and just get out and fish and i think i think we'd all like fly fishermen in particular can can get a bit myopic and then create division based on on their opinions of things just like i have tongue-in-cheek with uh, brim and bass but yeah uh, it um 
I think you know if we if we look for the good in each fish and the challenge that they represent, I think it's um, you know that that's what keeps us coming back, eh? Yeah, definitely. Like I, one thing I really probably one of the only things I miss about back down there is like fishing the Mary, you know, walking the banks and not stressing about a croc trying to eat you or something like that, and just catching sooties and togas and bass. Like that yeah. stuff's awesome. It's just hey. easy fishing, good fun. I like how I like how Kurt pretends to be all like, yeah, I just love I you know, when Kurt used to live down here, I used to say to him, Hey Kurt, we should we should go down and uh and fish these carp. Yeah, I don't really like to drive <laughs> further south than <laughs> than the Mary or anything like that, you know. Like yeah. man, you'll really you'd really like it. And, you know, yeah, maybe one day, you know, and then, <laughs> then Kurt then you get on the phone with Kurt, Do you wanna come and go fishing here? Yeah, cool, man. I mean, I've really got to take you down here one day. Yeah, no, we'll get there one day. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I had the feeling he had no intention of um of leaving the mecca, you know. But uh, oh, it was a bit hard to leave all those fish on the flats there to go catch carp. But in saying yeah. that, I've matured as a human and a fisherman, and I'd probably do it now. Yeah, well, when you get the opportunity, <laughs> Walt will take you, mate. I'm not I'll taking. take you, there. Kurt. Kurt, I'll take you. There. You'd love it. Yeah. I reckon I would. Yeah, it's awesome, man. It's pretty right. fun. They just, it's on. And they fight hard. They're honest. They, they'll bust you off. They'll break your tackle. You know, they, you got to get things just Settle right. Settle down, mate. They're not brim. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good, mate. And you were saying you haven't got a big tusky yet. Yeah, no, nothing special. I've um, yeah. got it a couple nice ones, but nothing nothing real big yet. They're... um. They're funny fish. They, they're fun to target, though. They're um, very different to the BBs and stuff with the way that they feed and the way you can put a fly on their head. But in saying that, though, like you hear about places where they're very, very, very pressured and that they do sound a hell of a lot harder than they are here. Like what you were saying about how they are on the wit Sundays, they're a bit, um, a little bit different to that. Oh, yeah, really. That place, it's been interesting to see that see the change you know well you know um obviously it's getting a lot of media like social media and youtube sort of um mm. pressure and people are seeing where to go how to do it and um and not all of them are, are fly fishing some of them are uh, you know the frozen prawn on a on a jig head and then we're also lately we're seeing um uh, i've personally seen it twice um uh, spiros on the flats and, oh you're kidding no nah, man it's on and then what's the point are you in front of your your um insta now i'll send you a, a post from a, maybe not maybe that's not good podcasting but maybe after the podcast yeah send it to me and i'll gaze it after right yeah it's just yeah it's it's just stunning hey like you know um uh you know like and we're all learning from each other you know we we watch we watch spiro sort of stuff and go oh well that's you know where they're catching that's how they catch or attract mackerel or something yeah, where they get doggies and stuff yeah and they're they're looking at us going oh shit you know you don't have to go down and get the bends for them for these tuskies you just hunt them the flats and um yeah uh i imagine it would be uh something different for them and and, an, and a new way to target them and you know as as fly fishermen or as you know we're just a variety of fishing you know um we, we can identify with with that you know like yeah exciting when someone goes oh i got a barrel on the surface or you know some new technique to catch something we've already caught before a new, yeah. new location to do it you know so yeah yeah wow yeah that's yeah. funny uh, you wouldn't think you'd think that'd be even more hard to 
spearing when they're in that shallow water. Well, yeah, you'd think that too, eh? Um, I wonder. I wonder if the other thing is that maybe they're getting them on a reef edge adjacent to the flats, taking the photo up in the skinny stuff to to get the kudos amongst their mates. You know, like oh yeah, throw the throw the scent. Yeah, in in the same way that. You know, fly fishing's about self-limitation and spearing fish on the on the, on the flats. You know, whilst in the water, is you know that's got to be the, the 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 fly fishing of spear. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> pretty, it's pretty. Um, you know that it requires a lot of lot of patience, a lot of stalking skill, and a lot mm. of. Sh- mm. But yeah, that's that's definitely it. Um, yeah, and and the, and the and the narrative on that on that. Um, pictures you always find the unicorns in the shallow water like you know here he is yeah right his knees are dry fuck <laughs> anyway um yeah. but yeah it's it's funny you wouldn't do that in weeper you probably get crocked right so oh i've seen people there's a lot of people that spearfish up here really yeah right. that is yeah, bizarre yeah, yeah. it's crazy man i yeah. um over in like off dock and point i was fishing there one time with clients in on the beach and there was dudes in probably like eight, ten feet of water with um with spear guns, and people do it here like at the leads or the big channel markers heading out to the shipping. Oh, no area. way! Seriously? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think people do it around the fads too for dollies and stuff. That is pretty, pretty wild. That is unbelievable. Mm, I think I've, I've um, seen enormous the... sharks around the leads, like oh yeah, even no, huge groper even. Oh yeah, most most of the sets have a groper living there and. And um, I've seen some really big bullies out there, like stupid big ones. And on the sharks, mate, is, is it is that problem getting worse, getting better, staying the same? Like, um, it's funny. I, there's some places where they're just like ravenous, um, and 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 that's like you could fish that spot one day and just get cleaned up by sharks for the first two or three fish you hook. You might get it to the top and there might be like half a dozen sharks chasing it but you can go back there in two weeks and not see any sharks um it, it's a weird one because i think there's just so much ground here and so many fish here some days yeah sharks can be a pain but you just go to the next spot so if generally if i get sharked i'll give it one more go and if if there's like you know a mob of sharks chasing it or if it gets eaten again it's right over new spot and clients are more than happy to do that because they don't want to waste gear and kill fish for no reason mm-hmm. um so we're lucky that we are blessed with options. Like that was one thing about Harvey Bay. I think it was just that place compared to here. It was, yeah, some days you wouldn't even land fish down there, but here it's very different. Mm. But I, I don't know. I haven't been here long enough to say, um, you know, whether it's getting worse or, or getting any better, but it's it's definitely, definitely bad in some spots. And I think a lot of the spots where the mackerel trawlers um, hang out regularly, they're real bad there. But they'll generally just clue onto one boat because they're just used to that dude trolling around all day. So some days you'll be there and one boat will be getting cleaned up. The other, the other boys will land a fish. Mm, okay. okay. So should you so take it as, as a badge of honour if they're hanging around your boat? Like the sharks know that. <laughs> Normally it's Jacko's boat. I don't know why. He doesn't catch any fish. Because <laughs> <laughs> of the sharks or is it just, yeah? No, it's just his ability mainly. Oh yeah, yeah. He's gonna regret not answering the phone after hearing this, hey. <laughs> no, nah, he's really good. He knows his stuff, Jacko. For for his age, he's um very, very switched on. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. There's no slouch, that's for sure. No. Nah. 
That's very interesting, mate. It's um, yeah, the shark problems, obviously, you know, all, all around Australia, really, from what oh, from, yeah. from all accounts, it's it's um, it's interesting interesting to hear that Weeper is not immune to that either. But you're saying that um, you know, you did get shark with a couple of perms and stuff, but you know, generally in, in shallow water, it's it's not not a bad thing, right? This is more pelagics, tuna, um, yeah, you know, things like that, right? What about in the Bottom creeks, down. things like Barra and Jacks? Are they I've, getting? I've had- I've had one one barrow taken ever, um, mm-hmm. and I've only ever had one permit taken. And out of the whole time Bargy's been guiding here, that's only the second that he's had seen taken as well. Yeah, okay, yeah. Which is a bastard, but anyway. Um, but yeah, up the creeks, now nah, you don't really you don't really see too many. I had one barrow taken. I think um, actually I was fishing with Bargy that day, and he he had his shaft, but I haven't had one shark with quants or anything. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Yep. I mean, they've always always been there. Like it's, uh, you know, it's just, they've just always been there. I mean, I mean, as I realise how ridiculous that sounds on face value, but I mean, <laughs> the sh- <laughs> of course, sharks always been there. They've been around for eons. But uh, um, my point is that you know, it's always it's not un- it's always never been uncommon to have a shark taken whilst in in Weeper. But it's it's more indicative of 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 how of how thick the fishing is there really it's a it's a sign of a healthy uh, ecosystem but in yeah. recent years it's become a it's become more of a problem rather than a um uh and not an what's the word not an unusual ex- experience it's more of a problem right so it's um that's the general consensus from what you're hearing from dudes who've been there longer than you right yeah and i think too like it's just a really popular spots like the spots that get pumped by tourists and locals and stuff that's not too far from the ramp just out the front like the leads are bad but in saying that i've had days out there where you'll catch like 50 60 queenies and not get shark once um mm. yeah so it, it's funny it, it is really funny and i think around the moon they do they do get a bit more um happy to be there but when the water gets real hot too like a really early season and like a late season they do um get a bit more lethargic a bit more tired they don't want to run around as much so you still you still um pretty good chance of landing most fish. Mm. Well, cool. Yeah, I've had plenty of days where we haven't been shark once. It's it's not as bad as – it's definitely not as bad as places I've fished before. Yeah, right, okay. Because, yeah, like, you, you know, you I don't know if you were likely to mention it or not, but, I mean, like, I don't see a problem. Some people know this, but Harvey Bay is pretty bad now. Like, it's – Yeah. You know, like you said, you get, think... it's, there's, there's days you, you'll, you'll never you'll never get a fish to the boat. I know guys that that live that, that you know friends of mine live in the area that, that just don't even bother to go tuna fishing anymore. Just yeah, man, just it, don't bother. It, it is like that, and I think too. Once again, just the boat traffic down there, all the really popular spots, and because it's obviously not a massive area, most spots get fished down there, so the sharks sort of get a feel for what's going on. But once again, winter's normally pretty good there because they they do um they lose a lot of that energy as well. They get a bit lethargic over winter and calm down a little bit, but I think the local, the hardcore local dudes, like the operation I work for, like Chos and all that, they they've got their spots where they know they won't get annoyed. You know, they can put fish um on the put clients on the fish most yeah. of the day without having too much of a worry. But yeah, obviously when the tuners are in, it gets a bit hard, especially up around Mutumba. It's, um, yeah, very hard. That's sort of like when I would just sort of sit on the flats and catch a tuner off the flats and it's, just hope that they don't run out over the ledge. <laughs> it's funny you say it, like uh. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give away even close to any of these these spots. But as you know, like been doing a few um, recce missions last year in the colder months, and and um, 
don't where you don't you don't see people you don't see sharks that's for sure you know yeah and well from every well, from all accounts that you hear about some of the other boys in town like the weeper sport fishing mob they do a lot of stuff down down south of like around archer and Aracoon area and um they all do trips from there for a couple of hours you know and down south of it and from what you hear there's just no sharks down there like they'll sit on a bait ball and catch like 20 spanish and keep two and they'll not get one sharked you know interesting stuff like that um because there's just literally no boat traffic yeah well i mean we've had when we had owen on the show vaults remember like we we're talking yeah. about um them learning that the the the, mo- the boat motors the dinner bell you know kind of like kurt's saying there lends itself to that as well right sure it does eh? mm. oh 100 percent. i watched i don't know if i talked to you about this already chris or not but i was watching a doco on sharks associating noise with food and it was it was a university somewhere in new south wales i think and they had wobby gongs and um mm. so they had them all in a tank and they'd play jazz music through the water and they'd put food in a certain spot of the tank when they <laughs> played the jazz music and literally it only took them seven times to realize as soon as that jazz music plays there's food in a certain spot of the tank it was seven times is all it took and obviously yeah, i'm well. never going to hear jazz music again but that's just like they're associating a certain noise with food now and that's just how sharks have learned did the doco differentiate that they were potentially getting the food and shoving in their ears so they didn't bleed because <laughs> it was jazz music it would be surprising seeing they don't have ears but you know they could have been pacing their lateral line or something like that you know i don't mm. know <laughs> who does Balti. Balti's actually an accomplished jazz musician did you know that no i didn't he's uh he plays the trombone yeah mm. that trombone explains a lot does <laughs> <laughs> I've never successfully played a musical instrument in my life. I'm, I'm full of <laughs> That'd be like that, mate. You're actually really good at it. Why do, I don't know why you talk like that. He's really self-deprecating about I'm his below. art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they call him. Um, they call him Pink Cheeks Vaults in in the um in the circles. <laughs> really? Yeah, cool. Yeah. Come on, mate. Look, I'll, I'll be it's honest. time you. It's time you came out with this. Really, I mean, you you. <laughs> You are really good at this, Vols. Yeah. One of the best. I like, to, I like to just say yes, but I don't know where to run with this without, you know, without appearing to be a little bit, uh, a little bit special. I, uh, <laughs> I can't play any musical instrument. Um, Besides the trombone. Yeah, that's, that's true. I'm really, really bad at it. What about you, Chris? Are you good at the trombone? Oh, mate. I, I gave it a go, mate, and uh, like compared to you, mate, I just put it down. I was like, I'm not. There's no way I'm going to be as good as Volts. Yeah, right. Yeah, cool. And so yeah, no. So I just stopped. It wasn't yeah, for wasn't me. Pleading. No, it wasn't for me, mate. It was embarrassing. Yeah, oh, right. Pink well, cheeks. Pink cheeks is like a. It's like a. He's like a, a songbird of our generation, as far as trombone players are concerned. <laughs> yeah. Well, what did you find so difficult about it? Was it pursing your lips, or was it? Um, was it not being able to talk? Like, was it was there some, <laughs> some part of it that you found challenging? I don't know. Um, I I mean, I guess it's probably a little little column A and a little column B there, Volts. I, I really couldn't really put my my finger on it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well. Mm. Anyway, look, if, with a bit of practice, you could get good. I've I've never seen Thanks, you be man. bad bad at anything, man. Like you <laughs> always, like you know, great fly tie, hell of a bloke. Um, yeah. Very innovative. I would, I would rate you. 
you know what? If you took up the trombone, I reckon <laughs> completely dominate at a world standard. <laughs> what do you what do you call it at the world's championships of tromboning? Are you trombonism uh, or trom trombonist? Trom you trombonist? Yeah, trombonist. That's um. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we've distracted from from Kurt's brilliance here. I really enjoyed listening to him talk about about Weeper. Tell me, Kurt, is there a good um, is there a good musical program at Weeper High? <laughs> oh, he graduated last year, I think, or something did he? like that. Did no, he play trombone then? Or what? I reckon he would have. The trombone played all sorts of weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> they'd, have the, they, they'd have the lager as the official instrument at Weeper High, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. The Tommy kangaroo fun. down, sport. Tommy <laughs> kangaroo down. What do they call it up there? Is it Cape York College or something? Is that a is that a school up there from memory? Yeah, something like that. There's is, two. Is that there's, oh yeah, yeah. There's there's fucking yeah. I think it's the Cape something, and then there's a churchy one. I don't know what it's called. Sure. Right. Okay. Yep. Cool. Bit of a selection. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, look. Uh, look. I feel as though we've consumed the interview. Once we start talking about the educational system in Weeper, I think we're <laughs> going to end this, okay? Now, listen, Kurt, I really appreciate you making the time because uh, because of uh, the way the year's gone for myself and Trombonist here, we, um, we've been extremely busy. So you've, um, you've jumped on this. You've jumped on this with little to no notice, mate. And um, <laughs> want to, like, between, between from, from me and Volts and the rest of the staff here, including the... Um, craft services and the uh, production staff here um we want to say thank you mate and we've got your little gift mate if you could just look under your seat <laughs> can yep. you see it yeah 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 so no no worries mate that actually costs a lot of money so um i don't know uh, dude yeah it's um, just Volty's chest hair <laughs> yeah that you know how much we have to pay him for to, to actually take some of that it's a, yeah, true. He doesn't want to part with it, does he? Most of it was from insurance. Tell, tell, tell me this, Kurt. I mean, now you've seen my chest hair. One of the one of the things we're thinking of doing was running a raffle, right? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, oh, pe- pending pending approval from the relevant um, authorities. I think it's the Australian the legal department. Yeah, yeah, the ch- charities register. We're yeah. thinking about running a chest hair raffle. Um, oh yeah, yeah, me and Chris, and you got to guess whose is which. You know. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, I don't want to give away any hints, but mine won't be the short, angry red hair. Right? Um, no, he's all look like someone's just cut the cut the bristles off a paintbrush. Because <laughs> 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 we're only allowed to submit a square inch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is a, like a I double think, handful for vaults. Yeah. <laughs> If you heard of, you know, in some of these, some of these places, um, you know, a, a hobby is, you know, um, scrapbooking, and um, and then in, you know, another another popular hobby amongst those crafty, usually, you know, middle aged aged women, um, uh, quilting. But right. you know, I, I think I think there's a lot of potential for a male version called pelting. <laughs> 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 where you weave your your chest story, hair. yeah. Oh, you weave your story into the pelt with yeah. the chest hair. That's pretty cool. What do you reckon? God, I'm going to edit this part of the podcast out so hard. <laughs> oh God. 
<laughs> All right, Kurt. Kurt, thanks for laughing at our jokes, buddy, and thanks for coming on at short notice. No, uh, that's all right. No stress, Luce. And, it's good. And, and thanks for, for... We'll call you next week as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it was us same again. Time, same place. Yeah. yeah. So yeah tell good. us about this boat, Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen any more crocs since last week? <laughs> It'll be a riveting interview. Yeah. I reckon so. Yeah. All right. Well, look, dude, thanks again. Um, thanks for coming on the second time. And um, and and for coming on, mate, I've got this CD of Volte's trombone uh, soloing. Oh, yeah. and uh, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, it's called uh, Pink Cheeks in the Park. Um, you use it as a frisbee. Yeah. <laughs> the, the CD cover isn't actually like a tapestry. It's actually a pelting experiment. Mm. God, we've got to go. All right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Getting out of here. All right. Thanks, Kurt. Right. Thank Plenty of humour at the end. We we're hanging shit on each other about trombonism and trombonism, you know, the act of tromboning, <laughs> tromboning and pink cheeks stuff. Yeah, pink cheeks. Uh, listen, pink cheeks. We're back, okay. Um, and uh, I mean, I want to thank you for a great interview there, mate. You guys really, um, you guys really entertained me. I was just happy to sit back and listen to a lot of that. Barely got a word in. Well. Yeah, that was. I found that quite pleasant. You know. Like, Thank you. Thank you. you know, no, nothing better than sitting back and not hearing from Chris. So. Yeah. Hopefully, I've, in, I've inspired you to take some music lessons because, you know, um, people, you know, long-time listeners are no doubt aware of your musical talents and taste by these. Um, uh, the songs that you choose, yeah, and, uh, stuck and, in the time. You know, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, and you know your background in in thrash. So, <laughs> <you know. laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I won't. I won't say anything. I was going to say thanks to one of the one of the artists, but I'll, I'll wait. We're potentially going to have someone who's been in the intros on on the show, but I won't do it now. Okay, Jeez, I'm really man. really throwing out a real um, mystery there. Hey, but it's all good. All will be revealed. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. I can't wait for that one. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Kurt, Kurt was a lot of fun. Um, you know. Especially for a day's notice. Yeah, yeah, he's he's such a good dude, so easy going. I think that comes across uh, in that in that body, and you know, people who or clients who, who charter charter Kurt um, through through Fishers Flying Sports Fishing Charters, mate, they're gonna have a great day. They're gonna they're gonna have a knowledgeable, fantastic, you know, skilled guide, and. It's gonna be a lot of fun, mm. you know. Just a just a down to earth good dude. You can have a good yeah. laugh with him. I fish uh, with Kurt heaps, man. He's he's a he's a great fisherman, you know. Like he's he's um he thinks about he thinks about his game. He's got a very careful, measured approach, and he's um he's great to fish with. I could only imagine what it'd be like to um to be guided by the dude when he, you know, the thought process he'd have if he didn't have a rod in his hand, you know. As um it'd be i mean it's very different as you, we've all experienced it when you take a friend fishing and so like you 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 approach fishing differently when you're not fishing um so yeah it'd be it'd be really interesting i i, I would you know i would have if, if i had the op- presented with the opportunity i'd have no problem in um even though kurt's a mate who i've fished with plenty of times i'd have no problem in paying him to guide me around for sure it'd be, it'd be great i reckon it'd be an awesome experience yeah well hopefully like kurt kurt in weeper like what a what a, what a combo! I mean, the dude's only been there for a year, mate. You give that guy, it wouldn't take him more than a couple of months, mate, to be shown around, especially from having a mentor like Bargy and Fish, you know. Yeah. Just um, what a, what a great combination! Pretty pretty deadly. Hard yep. to look anywhere else if you're going to Cape York, that's for sure. Sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, it was, a, it was a great interview, mate. So um, just just fantastic. One of the better ones. Hmm. And fun. I I actually I enjoy them all, but that one that one was just you know good. Mm-hmm. It was good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, look, you know, like we mentioned in the first show, if you uh, if you listen to that one, folks, that um, you know, we've got some we have got some great shows coming up. We should be ahead of that, but we're not. Um, I've yeah. potentially got a um a an on water recording one for the next one, but we'll just see how that goes. The weather's looking like that might stifle that now. Just received a message through that through that recording that from the person I was going to be out with. That yeah. um, old Huey's not going to maybe let that one happen. Well, let's just wait and see, man. Um, so yeah, happy Australia Day, and uh, at this point in time, there's there's a re- very real chance that um, some people are going to get some weather, including a cyclone um, up there in North Queensland. So uh, if that is affecting you guys all the best take care and be safe be safe be safe homies yeah yeah and as 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 volts normally says when he's not recording be rad and be safe (laughs) yeah 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 and be rad is just another name for brad right yeah man do you know do you know many brads yeah they're good men are they good men yeah why would you think they identify as men? Just isn't a masculine thing. 
Well, I, I, I think you're. I think it's very. I can't believe you're assuming the gender of of these brads. Like, I mean, my, it's 2024. Get woke, motherfucker. Sorry, man. <laughs> Jesus, some pretty harsh statements. Brad's a man. God. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm a. I'm a social dinosaur. I'm clearly, it's a gender neutral name. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Great. I'm glad we're back. Back with the regular programming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. Everyone's a Baron Mundy, mate. It's true. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, look. Let's get the hell out of here, man. Yeah. All right, dude. Catch no, no point. In, um. Yeah. You know, dragging this one out. Let's go. Okay. Right, right. Sport. Catch you later. Bye. Yeah.